0: Hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. What's all this ruckus about inflation? And more importantly, What's it mean for you? That's what we'll talk about in just a few minutes. Welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me today. Each week, I'm going to try and do my level best to give you ideas that you can take away and do your own research on. You always need to do your own homework to see if something is appropriate for you. Hey, last week, Cisco reported earnings. Cisco, symbol CSCO. If you've been a listener of the show or if you saw the annual outlook, you know we've been talking about Cisco. It was a really solid quarter for the company, beating on both the top and the bottom line, and they raised their guidance for the next quarter. Earnings came in four cents better than what was expected, and they boosted their dividend by fourteen percent. Cisco, I think, has been underappreciated, or maybe they've been misunderstood a lot, like Oracle has been over the last couple of years. They've been strategically moving to a business model that relies more on reoccurring revenue, but it's costing them about two to three percent on top-line growth because of the way revenue recognition accounting works. In other words, if you look at their revenue, it seems like it's been flat or even declining. And who wants to buy a company that's not growing their sales? I know I don't. What happens is in the old model, they would make a sale and they'd earn all that money up front. But with the new model, they make a sale And that revenue is spread out over time. I'm more partial to the reoccurring revenue model because I think it's more predictable. And I would argue you should pay more for a predictable type of company. You'd pay more for a car that you know is going to start every morning as opposed to one, well, maybe you're not so sure of, right? Today, just over 30% of Cisco's revenue is reoccurring. On top of that, they're a cash-generating machine. They have about $12 a share in cash on their balance sheet, and if they pay off their long-term debt, it's still about $9. Now, a lot of that is overseas. As a matter of fact, they're probably in the top five companies that have money overseas. What do you do with all that cash? Well, Cisco is bringing it home they plan on repatriating $67 billion in foreign cash this quarter. That's why they raised their dividend by 14%. With free cash flow, there's only so many things you can do. You can pay the dividend. And as I said, they just raised it by 14%. You can buy back stock. Cisco just increased its repurchase program by $25 billion, bringing the total amount available for repurchases, up to $31 billion. And I think this is a case where it makes sense for them to buy back stock because I think the stock is inexpensive. You could also use the cash to do mergers and acquisitions. Cisco has done a bunch of acquisitions over the last few years, primarily in the small to mid-sized software companies. On the conference call, the CEO said he wouldn't roll out or I should say, rather, he wouldn't put a parameter on size, which could be seen as opening the door for a large transformative type of acquisition. The way I see it, Cisco is trading at about 14 times this year's operating earnings. That's net of cash. And they're paying a 3% type of dividend. I'd be tempted to raise my buy price on it here, but for now, I'm going to leave it where it is at $40. If I could buy Cisco under 40 I would. Let's spend a couple of minutes on the market. And by the way, I own Cisco. Over the holiday weekend, a few of the investment firms weighed in, on, weighed in their opinion on the equity markets, right? That's what they do. One upgraded their outlook because of earnings momentum. Talked about how great earnings look to be this year. So one company upgraded their outlook. Another company said there's no bear market in stocks, but you could see more corrections in the near term. And I would assume that means over the next year. And then another came out and said, and they were much more bearish. They said the recent share slide was the appetizer, not the main course. Well, take that for what it's worth. To some extent, I agree with all three. Last week, volatility, well, it took a little breather, and the markets seem to have regained a little bit of their footing. In my opinion, there are high odds that the technical, mostly sentiment-driven pullback that we've had over the last month or so is nearly over. I think we are now in the consolidation phase, meaning we're going to have these ups and downs, and we'll most likely retest the lows. That's typically what happens. We retest the lows. So if I'm right, we do have some downside ahead of us in our near future, but I think you buy the dips as they say. And there are a number of reasons why I think this. And one of the things I look at is the bond market. What the bond market is telling me is that this risk off episode is an isolated one and not a precursor to a real tremor or earthquake, perhaps. The high-yield ETF outperformed the long-dated treasury ETF, and it would be unprecedented, not impossible, but unprecedented for the equity market pullback to morph into a full-blown bear market without junk bonds sinking relative to the ultimate risk-free asset. Along with this, relative valuations have corrected somewhat with the combination of stock prices falling and estimates accelerating. And according to FactSet, the market is trading at about 17 times forward earnings. It's a little higher than the five-year average of 16 times earnings. So yes, it's pricey, but not egregious. This isn't a case where you go out and you go crazy buying stocks. I still think you need to be selective on both quality and price. But I do think this is a case where you buy the dips. Just buy good companies at good prices. Another company that reported really good earnings this week was Home Depot, symbol HD. Comparable sales were up 7.5%. The housing market has been on a tear. And that's been helped out by rising employment and higher wages, which has encouraged people to buy new homes or remodel their existing ones. And that's where Home Depot comes in. We've talked about Home Depot and Lowe's before. I prefer Lowe's symbol L O W, just because of the valuation gap to HD or Home Depot. I think both of them are fine companies. Lowe's is trading at about 18.19. 18 or 19 times earnings, which is too pricey for me to buy, but I still want to own it in my portfolio because I think the housing market and the home improvement retailers are going to continue to do well. Lowe's reports next week, so you want to keep your eye on that. We need to step away and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about inflation. You've worked hard, you've saved and invested along the way. Now you wanna make sure all your hard work pays off so you can do what matters most to you. Whether it's giving back to your community or ensuring a safe, comfortable retirement, it's never too late to start planning. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. If you want someone who can help you navigate the investment landscape, then please visit us at our website xmlfg.com or call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you. And welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. You can reach us at podcast at xmlfg.com. Once again, it's podcast, which is plural at xmlfg.com. So what's all this ruckus about inflation? What's the big deal? I said at the annual outlook, which is still available at our website, which is xmlfg.com, so you can go there and take a look. But I said at the annual outlook that inflation was going to be the wild card. I don't expect runaway inflation, but enough to keep the Fed raising interest rates, which would cause problems later on. Here are a couple of things I want you to keep in mind. As inflation creeps in, That's going to drive interest rates higher. As interest rates go higher, alternatives to stocks become more competitive. Savers are already being rewarded here. Just take a look at money markets. Money markets a year ago, well, you got diddly squat. And now you can go out and get 1%. At least it's something, right? We're headed in the right direction. And corporate bond yields, since the beginning of the year, well, they've gone up. So income is becoming more attractive for a certain type of investor. I think the yield on the 10-year treasury eventually gets to three and quarter percent sooner rather than later. I'm not talking 20 years from now. <laughs> for those of you who hold bonds, that also means the value of your bonds should technically go down. If you're a bond investor, I would keep my maturities shorter term shorter to intermediate. Number two, inflation could mean the cost of your debt is going to go higher. Think about mortgage rates or floating rate credit card debt that you have. This means you have to pay more in debt service if these rates aren't locked in. Number three, everyone should have a plan and I mean a real financial plan. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Studies have shown you're much more likely to succeed if you have a written plan. That's the one th- well, that's one of the first things we do for all our clients is we sit down and we do a financial plan for them. And in that plan, you make a number of assumptions, and one of them is inflation. You want to make sure you're comfortable With the assumption that you're using. Inflation has averaged a little over 2% for the last 10 years. We've basically had very little inflation for a long time, but I feel more comfortable assuming at least a 3% inflation rate going forward. You need to have your money growing at least as fast as inflation is, or you're losing your purchasing power. People who have had a lot of cash over the last few years have basically lost money. Think of it like this. Your money market was yielding basically zero, but the cost of goods and services that you need have gone up by, say, 2% a year. That means that over the last five years, you've lost more than 10% of your purchasing power, and that's not even compounding the number. My point is, is when you're looking at your plan, you need to account for inflation and you need to make sure you're getting decent rates of return on an inflation adjusted basis. I always think about returns that way. If inflation is coming back and rates are going higher, how do we make money? The most obvious place to look would be the financials, the banks. The banks borrow short-term through deposits and savings and checking and by selling CDs, and they lend long, think mortgages here. The difference between what they pay to borrow short and what they charge for lending long is called the net interest margin, Say they sell you a CD at 1% and they lend that money back out as a mortgage at 4%. Well, their net interest margin is going to be 3%. Now, what happens is as rates go higher, the net interest margin or what they make increases because they're slower to reprice the shorter term, the CD rates, as compared to the mortgage rates. There are three things that drive bank earnings. They're the price of credit, loan growth, and credit quality, and all three are moving in the right direction. As I said, I think rates are going higher. That's good for a bank's net interest margin. Loan growth, commercial and industrial and consumer loans, well, they're forecast to reaccelerate in the coming months. And loan quality, well, loan quality remains pretty good, with some exceptions like subprime car loans. The one I like here is U.S. Bancor, symbol USB. I like it under $52. I own it. Last week, I talked about CarMax, symbol KMX. Three quick reasons why I like it. First, I think they have a very different and superior business model. If you've ever been to one, well, you know what I mean. Two, they should have plenty of room to grow. Right now, they only have about 3% of the used car market, and that leaves plenty of room for expansion. And they're profitable in every market they're in. And lastly is valuation. I think they'll earn around $5 per share this year. And with the share price at $65, that means that they're trading at about 13 times earnings. They haven't been this cheap since 2009 during the depths of the financial recession. That's about all we have time for today. We'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay. You've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML financial group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no, you should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies, doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.